Uh, I've heard it said before, you know, somebody said, you know, that the church, well, they're, all they're, they're just after my money. Uh, I hope that you don't feel like that here. Um, but let me just explain something to you because that is true in a sense, not that the church is after your money, but God is after your money. Now, why is that? It's because God is after your heart. And your heart is connected to your wallet. <laughs> it's funny to think when people say, well, God needs my money. God isn't waiting up in heaven saying, someone hasn't paid their tithes yet, so I can't have a revival in Kendallville. That's not what it's about. What he's saying is their heart ready for, for me to do something in there, right? If they're willing to give out of their finances, then they're willing to give out of their time. They're willing to give out of their, their resources. They're willing to give, and then that's something I can use. Yeah. Yeah, their time, their treasure, their talent, these, these three things, those three T's I look at so often in, in what we can give. Giving doesn't just mean uh, giving of my finances. I can give of my time. I can give of my talent, the things that God has blessed me with. Uh, I can give back in that way, and I can give of my treasure. But that, that treasure, certainly there is, a, uh, there is a connection between our heart and our wallet, our heart and our finances, uh, I, I guarantee that I can see it. There's this, it's like there's this string that's attached between your wallet and your heart. I mean, like you, you go back and you grab for your wallet and all of a sudden you get like this pain in your chest. It hurts to give. It hurts to spend at times. And, and if God, if he can get your wallet, I believe that he can get your heart. And I'm, I'm really not the one who said that. Jesus is the one who said that. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. Your heart follows your treasure. And if you put your treasure in stock, or if you put your, you know, just use that. If you put your treasure in stock, I can guarantee that you're going to be going on the internet and checking to see how your stock is doing, even though you'd never checked that stock before. You never cared about it before, but now you care about it because that's where your treasure is at. That's where your heart now all of a sudden is invested in that. You know, if you're following me here today, what I'm talking about is that God wants your, your treasure to be in the kingdom. God wants your heart to be in the kingdom. He wants you to put treasure in the things that are of eternal consequence. So let's put our treasure in kingdom things. And I think a lot of the focus is, is it's, it's about our mindset and how we give, right? Yeah. Is because we can look at tithing as it's an obligation. It's something I have to do. How many people get up and run the aisles when you have to pay your electric bill? Nobody does that. No one gets excited when they have to pull out because it's an obligation that I have to pay. But if I go into my favorite store in the mall, my wife knows my favorite store is online. If I go to baseballism and I'm, I'm spending out money on baseball, on baseball clothes, I'm not like, oh, man, I have to do this, and I'm so sad about it. I get excited about it because it's something that, that I look forward to. It's something that I, I want to have, right? That's the kind of attitude God wants us to have when it comes to, to giving. In 2 Corinthians in the new church, I, I love he doesn't even give it this example of minimums. It says, Second uh, Corinthians 8 and 1, it says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only from what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. The New Testament church didn't get caught up in, well, the law of Moses said it's 10%, so I need to calculate exactly what it was. They just said, you know what, I'm going to give to the kingdom of God. And I might not have a whole lot of money, but you know what I have? I have a whole lot of joy 
and an abundance of it. Because when we get in that giving spirit and we give God and say, you know what, I trust you with everything. I'm going to give you these finances because I know that you're going to do something amazing with them. It changes our mindset and it shows where our heart truly is. Absolutely. I, I look at you know, some of these, these laws that we see in Scripture. Um, and it, I should say principles. We were just talking about the laws of, of giving. And, um, but these principles that we see in Scripture. And one of these principles uh, we, we see in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Uh, it says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Okay. So that scripture, and we're like, okay, what does this have anything to do with money? Let's look at the next scripture, because this one is one that we use often in connection with money. It says, give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so this principle here of give, and it shall come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's principle. Uh, It's tied to this principle of giving, right? This principle that Jesus is teaching here is about, about giving, but it's really about so much more than money and getting money back in return. He uses that phrase, pressed down, shaken together, running over, when he's talking about giving in this passage. And to capture the full meaning of, of, of this truth that Jesus is, is trying to relay to us, I think we probably should uh, understand that term or that, uh, what Jesus is saying there when he says, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Because in reality, these are farming terms. And uh, especially in their culture, their... Uh, uh, the laws that they, they lived by that were handed down from Moses, rather handed down from God to Moses. Uh, God, he always wanted the people of Israel to take care of the least of these, the ones who, who they didn't have much. And so there was this certain law that was there. It was, it was instituted for the people who were poor that on the edges of the fields, they were an agrarian society, and that in the edges of the fields, the poor people... They were always allowed to go, especially the widows. They were, they were allowed to go and to collect grain, to harvest grain from the edges of the fields. And you had the workers that they had been hired and they're there, they're, they're working for whoever it was that owned the fields. And for them, they're hired, they would go, they would, they would, you know, have baskets, they'd fill their baskets with grain, they would bring that back and, you know, all throughout the day, they're just bringing their baskets back and forth from the fields to, uh, you know, dump it out uh, there at the barn uh, or at the mill. But those who were collecting, the widows who were collecting at the edge, they weren't able to go and bring it to the mill. They were just collecting uh, from the edges of the field, and they were able to bring that to their home. Now, for them, they, they might have lived five miles, ten miles away from where that field was at. They may have lived some distance, uh, wherever, however far away it was. It was not as close as what the barns were. And so for them, what they would do is they would put as much into those baskets as they could in order to have the least amount of trips possible. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that, bringing in groceries. Uh, do we have any, like, grocery champs out here? You, you, like, you, like, load as many bags of groceries onto your arm to have... If I take more than one trip, Sarah shakes her head at me like I failed in our marriage. 
So that's, uh, that's what they're doing. They're, they're trying to like get as much as possible in one trip and they're, they're loading their basket. And so they would literally like take that basket and they would shake it to get every little pocket of air out of there. They press it down. They would, they would make sure it was heaping. It was overflowing and, and they would get this and, and, and as much as possible, they would try to get everything that they could into this basket so they could make one trip back to their home. And so when Jesus is speaking to them here, he's speaking to them from this understanding of like trying to pack as much as possible into, uh, into their baskets. And that is the kind of measure that God wants to give back to those who give. But when he's talking about giving here, he's actually not even talking about money. He's talking about judgment. He says, if you judge others, the kind of judgment that you're going to get in return is pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's, it's a, whole a whole lot more. Exactly. And that can go into so many other areas of giving. It's not just about judgment and forgiveness. That's, that's what he's trying to motivate us to here is, is to, to have forgiveness. Uh, he's talking about our motivation. All of this is about our motivation. What he's speaking of here within this principle is, is about giving and the motivation and giving is that whatever you give, there's going to be greater in return. Uh, if you give, if you give and you, you're, you're a very judgmental person, then you are going to receive a lot of judgment in return. If you give now, now this principle of giving, it could be applied to so many other areas. So I don't want to say that this scripture could be, or it should be completely detached from giving financially. Because it's a principle of giving. That whatever you give, it will be brought back in greater measure. Whatever you give. Now, this is, this goes to another law. The law of sowing and reaping. Have you ever, have you heard this law? You know, just talk about this law a little bit of sowing and reaping. Yeah, so whatever we're going to be planting in there, then that's the, those are the things that we're going to reap. I did want to point out what, when pastor was talking, I love that. It says, you know, for the same measure, it pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's the, that's the response that God's going to have. So when it comes to giving, sometimes it's easy to just give off the top, right? When we've got a huge blessing and we can afford to give and it's nice and God will bless us back. But I think what he's saying in this scripture too is, is that when it, when you put in some work in it, when it costs you a little bit more and it's a little bit harder for you to do it, then that's when I'm really going to be able to bless you back is when it's not just, well, I, this isn't going to hurt me because the, the times that God has blessed me financially is usually the times that I was hurting, but I gave anyways. That, that's, yeah. that's what I got out of that. Absolutely. Um, where were we even at? Yeah, I, I can pick it up. I, I Sorry. threw it to you for sowing and reaping. But I'll, so, so sowing and reaping, we have, if you think of a, a farmer, uh, what does the farmer do? They go out, they plant seeds. And, uh, and, and from that seed, they plant it in the ground, and they get the, the corn or the soybeans, whatever it is, that comes up. And uh, you have that corn, and you have much more corn on those, on those stalks than you had from that one individual seed that was first planted. This is the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, you have, okay, we live close to Fort Wayne, Johnny Appleseed. Uh, there in Fort Wayne, he went around, he's planting apple seeds everywhere. And what happens with those apple seeds? They grow into apple trees, right? Uh, those apple trees have apples. And from those apples, inside of each one of those apples, there are multiple seeds in each one of those. And this is the law of sowing and reaping. That you, whatever you sow, you're going to get that in return, but even much more in return. 
at you sow a little bit. And this is so true, especially when we sow into the kingdom of God. That whatever you give, God wants to give back even more. Whatever I give, God wants to give back bountifully. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That God, he wants to give back even greater. And this is the, 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 the heart of it is that God is saying, I want you to give out of the abundance of your heart. I want you to give not because you have to, but because I want to bless you and I want to release you. I want to, I want to uh, give you uh, much more than what you could possibly have uh, if you didn't give. And, and that is, that goes to the issue of the heart. Now, I don't give in order to get. The motivation is not so that God can bless me, but through giving, God will bless, God will bless me. Instead of having a closed hand with the things that God blesses me with, I want to have an open hand. I want to live life with an open hand that when God gives, I can say, God, this is yours anyways. My hand is open. God, whatever you've given me, I want to give it back to you. God, I want to be able to give back to you. And I understand, God, that this is not a, a transaction where I am giving back to you so that you can bless me. But God, by having an open hand, I give, but also you can give to me. And sometimes we think, okay, there's different mindsets where you can say, God, I gave you $1,000 and it was something I couldn't afford. So I expect $1,000 back and I expect... If that's your attitude and that's your mindset, just close your hand. You're not going to get it back. But at the same time, too, I think it's important to realize is that when we are faithful with our giving and we are faithful and we, we do all these things, to go back to Scripture and say, God, you said if we, if we bless you, I'm in, I'm in a need where i got a bill I can't pay now. God, I've been honoring you, and, and I need something from you. That's okay. That's all right to, 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 to use this Scripture back to God and say, God, I need your help because I'm doing everything you've told me to do, so I need you to, to help me back. Now, it's a little bit different when, God, I'm doing everything... You told me that I need to do, and why can't I not afford this Audi that I want in the, in the parking lot? It's different. But when it comes time to our needs, God's going to supply. He's yeah. going to meet them each and every single time. Yeah. Some alarming stats that we came across uh, when we were looking at tithing was Dave Ramsey says that 53% of Christians say they have not given to the church in the past month. And I was like, that's crazy stats. 53% of Christians haven't given to the church in the past month. That's just giving something in the offering plate period, right? On average, only 5 to 7% of Christians regularly tithe on their gross income. And this is one that you can say, well, what does this have to do with God and finances? I think it has a whole lot to do with it. 41% of divorces are due to disagreements in your finances. If you don't trust your spouse, and that's why the, the, the marriage breaks apart, is because I don't trust you with finances, what's your relationship with God if you can't trust him with your finances? Right. When you, if we're only five to seven percent of people are the ones that are tithing to the church and we're saying, well, God, why aren't you doing anything in my life? We're not showing trust in Him either. Right. We, we need to, we need to spend time in prayer. Yes, we need to spend time fasting, but we need to be able to say, God, I'm going to give back to you. Yeah. You brought, you brought up tithes here and I do want to dive into that. There's this, probably the passage that we would, uh, we see this most clearly is in Malachi chapter three, which is talking about tithing. And it says in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Okay, I want you to, I want you to just, just stick that, you know, on a sticky note, and don't forget that. I am the Lord, I do not change. Okay, 
Let's keep that right in front of us. I'm the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, which I think is kind of funny. Um, it says, I, I'm God and I don't change. And that's, that's why uh, I haven't killed you yet, Israel, um, because I, I do love you. I don't change. You are my people. Um, and so I haven't consumed you yet, O Jacob. But uh, I am the Lord. I do not change. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, in case we don't understand that word ordinances, if I could define that uh, simply as, as an ordinance is a principle of very ordinary behavior. This is the ordinary behavior of the people of God. Or, you know, the very thing that, that is just, everybody ought to do this because it's the ordinary behavior. So my ordinances, you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. So God is saying, you've gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior for God's children. So he says, now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And now you say, you're asking this question, now what are the, these ordinances? What have I, what do I need to return to? What are these ordinary behaviors that I've gotten away from? And God responds in verse 8, he says, will a man rob God? What a question. Will you rob God? And yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all of the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. So here we have this word tithe that comes into our, uh, you know, into our vocabulary. And this word, this isn't the first time that we see it, but this is a Hebrew word, tithe, uh, which is this Hebrew word, mahaser, and it means the tenth part or ten percent. And so that's where we get this understanding of a tithe being ten percent of our income, ten percent of what God has blessed us with. In that scripture, too, he points out, he says, listen, you guys haven't given me what's due to me. And he doesn't say, and if you don't, then I'm going to make your life harder. He says, but if you'll just do it, then I'm going to bless you. Right. right? God isn't saying you have to do this or I'm going to punish you. He's saying, I want to bless you and I want to do things for you, but you've got to be obedient to me in these things. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a percentage that he's, he's doing this with. He doesn't say, uh, I want all of you to give $1,000 a year. I want all of you to give $1,000 a month or a week. Now, God says, I, there is a principle that I want to instill within my people that they would give 10% of what they, what I have given them back to my kingdom, that they would invest it in my kingdom. Now, I think there's a reason for that because there's, there's something fair about a percentage. It doesn't matter if you make 30000 or if you make $300,000. It's a penny on every dime. It's the same for every person, that 10%. There was a story that I heard I loved, and there was a guy that went to his pastor in Texas, and he said, I'm going to start a business this year, but before I do it, I'm going to commit to tithe 10% on the business. So the guy had his first year at his business, and $15,000, so he tithed his $1,500. God started blessing him. The next year, he was up to $60,000, tithed it. Year five, he's up to $6 million in this business, and he goes into the pastor's office, and he says, Pastor, 
I need you to release me from this because $600,000, that's a lot of money to give. And I don't know if I can give that anymore. He's like, I need you to release this from me and I need your help. And the pastor just sat quietly for a minute. And then he got down and started to pray. And he said, pastor, what are you doing? I told you, I need you to release me from this. What are you doing praying right now? He says, I'm just praying that the Lord will remove your income to the point that you can tithe on it again. So whatever that point is where that's comfortable for you, then that's where you need to be. And it just makes us laugh because sometimes we, when we're poor, man, it's easy to give 10%. That's all right. We can make do. But then when you start to look at it and be like, does God really need all of that? God doesn't need it. We need the blessing more than God needs it, right? Right, right, right. And it's all God's anyways. Yes. God is the one who blessed us with it anyways. It doesn't matter what you have. And, and God, doesn't, uh, God doesn't look at uh, finances necessarily the same way that we do. It's not all about becoming a millionaire or, uh, or multi-millionaire. That, that's not the goal of all of this. It's about saying, God, whatever you have given me, God, I want to give back to you. And, and I think there's a reason that God chose this 10% beyond just giving a portion back to him or a nice round number that's easy to do. Uh, I think there's, there is something special about that number 10. If we go through scripture, we see that number 10 prop up or crop up so many times in scripture. And so, uh, that number 10 in the Bible, it represents, seems to represent testing. Yeah. Testing. That there's something about that number 10 that we see over and over these tests in scripture that are related to that number. And so I'll, I'll just do a little test real quick and ask, I'll ask you some of these questions. And, um, in fact, everybody, you can answer out loud if you want to. Uh, how many plagues were there in Egypt? There were 10. Okay, 10. Okay. Now, if I could say that in a different way, it would be this. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Yeah. Right? Ten. Because that's what God was doing with the plagues. He was testing the heart of Pharaoh. Okay? Here's the second question. How many commandments were there? Ten. Ten, right? I mean, there were a lot more commandments than that. But if we look at the ten commandments, those, those uh, ones that were written down on stone. Uh, now, that is the test of what God w- is, is testing his people with. Would you, will you keep my commandments? Okay. Another question. Maybe you'll see a little pattern here. This is in Numbers 14. You may not know the answer to this. Um, but how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Yeah. Ten times. You probably didn't know the answer, but that is correct. He tested Israel ten times in the wilderness. Okay. Another, another thing. How many times did, uh, were, were Jacob's wages changed and God was testing his heart? Yeah, 10 times. I'm guessing you probably didn't know that, but it was 10 times. How many times do we see in the book of Daniel that he was tested? 10 times. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? 10. How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? 10 days of testing. How many disciples were there of Jesus? 12. No, yeah, I was just testing you. It was 12. (laughs) Just waking people up, that's all. (laughs) Okay, but the tithing, it, it is a test. It's a test. And we see this. It's, a, it's not only a test of us, no. although it is. God is testing us. Will you give back to w- w- what I have given you? But it's also a test of God. Yeah. This is the one place in Scripture that I see God saying, test me. Try me. Test me. I can... 
I can show you that I will be true to my word. Test me on this. It's in, it's in that book of Malachi. We, we already read it. God said, oh, will a man rob God? Will you? And, and, and just give. Give of your tithes and offerings. You, and he says, I want you to test me on this front or prove me on this front. That word prove in Malachi, it's often used in this context of testing or proving metal to see if that metal has been purified. And what God is saying is, test me to see if I'm pure. Test me. I, I want you I want you to test me. I want you to see that I really will pour out the windows of heaven. I really do want to bless you. I really do, as I said in Malachi, want to rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on if you are going to thank me and worship me and walk in faith. And if you are going to believe that 90% with God is greater than 100% without God. Because that's really what the test is all about. So how many metal workers do we have in the room? Awesome, great. So when you come to test something, right, when you're trying to remove the impurities, does it happen right away? What do you have to do to it? You have to heat it up, right? You have to get it to the point where sometimes it's a little bit too hot and it's dangerous where if you don't know what you're doing, you could get hurt. So if you're in the middle of a struggle and you're in the middle of something and you're like, God, I don't understand this. I feel like I'm going to get hurt. I feel like this is a lot tougher than it needs to be. God's saying, no, that's the test. I said to test me. It's not, if, if it's going to be easy, it's not going to be a test. But he said, prove me in your finances. There's a quote from uh, Randy Alcorn in Tithing that I love. He said, tithing isn't something that we do to clear out our conscience to do whatever we want to do with the other 90%. Because the other 90% is still the Lord's. We must seek out direction and his permission to do whatever with that full amount. Because God might have a different idea. Right? If we get in the mindset of 10% is God and 90% is mine. So when God speaks to us and there's a special offering or there's been times in my life where God's blessed me where someone came up to me and said, God spoke to me and said that I need to give you $20. And for them, it might not have been anything, but for me, it was the only reason that I was going to be able to get to work that weekend with gas money. But if we close our minds and, we, and God says, I need you to go and I need you to give $20 to somebody to bless them. And we say, God, I already put it in the offering. So I'm going to take that out of my ties and then it's going to hurt us, right? We need to have our mindset to realize 10% is, it's not ours anyways. That's, that's God's, period. We owe it to him. And then the blessing really comes is when we're obedient and we let him use us in offerings and other things later on with that other 90% that we have. I want us to, to understand today the context or, or why we're even diving into this topic. And it's not because we here at, at New Life are, are struggling and we need you to, to give. Uh, we, you know, because the church is, is hurting and no. We talk on this because Jesus says, I want your heart. God says, this is a heart issue. And too often our, 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 our money, it's proving really where our treasure is at. Or, or tr- proves where our heart is at by, by showing up in our bank accounts, the things where, where we are spending money, the things where we are, where we are investing our time, where we are investing you know, our finances, it, it proves where our heart is really at. And what God is saying is, I want to begin to pour out on you so many, um, so many things that you never thought would be possible had you not trusted me in this area. I want you to be able to be blessed beyond belief. I want you to be able to further my kingdom. Now, the truth is, God, he can do 
He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That God, he can do whatever, whenever. But he will do it often through his people by blessing them so that they can give back to the kingdom. So that they can fund a missionary to go to, to Malaysia. Or they could fund, you know, somebody who needs to, who wants to go into a community and, and, and start a church. And you can, you can begin to invest in that sense or, or so that you can fund a children's home that, that maybe you're not able to be there, but, but God would begin to bless you so that you can, so that you can give back to his kingdom and so that you could invest in that. And that is what God wants to do through, uh, through our generosity, through, uh, being able to bless us and us uh, being faithful in our giving, faithful in our tithes, and faithful in our offerings, God says, I want to allow that generosity to flow into my kingdom in, in areas that you never thought would be possible uh, by you being able to reach them. So there was something uh, a couple months ago, Brian Turnbow was talking to me about tithes and offerings, and I'm like, yeah, tithing, I get it, blah, blah, blah. And he was talking about offerings and how offerings were used for the ministry in in the Old Testament especially, it was the offerings that actually was opening up to do things, right? So the, the, the tithe went, went to the actual temple, but to do things, it went to the offerings. And he was talking about how if you want blessings, you need to, to give in the offerings. And that's how we should be able to do things, right? It, we should be able to, to use things in the community off the offerings. We should be able to, to bless different ministries off the offerings. And uh, it really got me convicted. Because I was like, well, I, I give my tithes and I give in special offerings, but I don't give like a specific amount in the offerings is just kind of like whatever God says. And so God kind of laid it on my heart. He's like, I want you to budget a specific amount each check that you're going to give in offerings and on the uh, mortgage reduction fund. And I didn't really want to do it, to be honest, because I'm like, I've already got things budgeted and I'm good to go. And in like the last three months, what we've given in just offerings and in the mortgage reduction fund, my wife and bonuses at work has got three times that back. And it was just different because I, I, it changed my mindset. I'm like, well, God, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm giving to you. I'm giving in these things. But he says, but if you just trust me a little bit more, what more can I do? And when we get in that mindset, we say, God, I'm going to be obedient to your voice. I'm going to just trust you with you with my finances. He has blessings for us. He has blessings for the church. Like Pastor said, we're not doing this because we're getting ready to start up a, a crazy fund where we need a lot of donations in here for. We're doing it because we want the church to be blessed, right? Amen. We want the church to, to be in a place where God can use you and use your finances and, and do all these amazing things. Amen. I want to I'll close with this. We have our Sunday school classes that are making their way back in. And uh, ask this question. Could you ever give anything that uh, would impress God? Did you ever give anything that would impress God? I mean, the God who he owns, as I said, the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one who the streets are paved with gold. Did you ever give anything that would impress God? And I believe that you can. And it's not an amount of money, but it's about your heart. It says that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it. He gets excited when somebody with a cheerful heart, somebody who, not begrudgingly, but they say, God, you have blessed me, and I want to bless your kingdom. I want to invest in your kingdom. That impresses God. That gets God excited. That gets God excited when he has somebody who says, God, I want to give back to you, for you are good. God, you are good in all ways. 
God, you have done so many great things for me. There's uh, in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it says that the Lord thy God, in the midst of thee, he is mighty, that he will save. That he will rejoice over thee with joy and he will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Did you know that God gets joyful over you at times? That God gets excited about you at times? And when he gets a hold of your heart, that gets God excited. When he gets a hold of your heart. Now Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So there is a connection. And if he can get a hold of your heart today, if God can just get a hold of, of something that deep down and say, you know what, I want, I want your priorities to be that of giving. And it's not because I need your finances. It's not because I need your money. It's because by having this attitude of generosity, it changes your perspective on so many things in life. By being generous, it changes your perspective. Because now I'm not only generous with my finances and my funds, but I'm generous in my love. Let's go back to press down, shaking together and running over. I'm generous in my forgiveness. I'm generous in my worship. Come on. He wants a church that's generous in their worship. I'm generous. I'm generous in the way that that I just want to, to, to give him everything that I have. All my time, all my talent, all my treasures. God, I just want to give you all. I want to be, I want to give you a great gift. God, I want to, I want to pour out everything that I have on your feet. God, I just want to give you everything that I have to give today. God's looking for a generous people. And by giving, he's saying there's something that I'm doing. I'm getting to the generosity of my people. I'm changing their hearts. Amen. I know today this isn't the kind of topic that uh, that may get us up and jumping and run the aisles and all kind of all that kind of stuff. But if we could just stand, I do want to close this out here this morning and and just lift up our hands and, and I do want to give God praise for God. He is working on somebody's heart here this morning. That God is God is he, He's been working on somebody here today and speaking to you about, you know, what can I give? Maybe today it's, it's just that little start of saying, God, I want to, I want to invest in your kingdom. God, I want to give God for you have blessed me. God, I want to, I want to give of the time that I have. God, I want to give back to you. God, I want to today, as long as I'm here, God, I don't want to be reserved in my worship, but I want to be generous in my worship. God, I want to be generous in everything that I do. God, I want to give you all Amen. Could you just lift up your hands? We're going to sing a song here in just just a moment and just give God praise for He is good.